The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I know it's been a little while, it's been about a month, but here I am, and we're going to talk today. Really, we're going to recap the 38th title for Benfica, the 38th championship. Uh, we are the champions. It's been a while, it has set in, but I'm going to spend some time talking about the final match today, but then talking about the season as a whole and begin a series of just recaps that I'm going to do now over the next couple of weeks uh, to close the book on 2022-2023 as uh, Benfica beat Santa Clara, as you know, 3-0 to win the 38 uh, about a month ago now. But I, I'll I'll touch on it. We've got news around the club as well. I don't know how much, but I'm going to get into this uh, episode but um, there will be more content coming. I'm not going away for the summer, so um, I may not be having something. May not be having content coming out um, weekly or anything like that. But I will be continuing to put some content out throughout the summer here for everybody. Um, I feel like in the summer now I have the entire audience to myself, as as uh, you know, all the all the other shows kind of take a break, and rightfully so. Um, I'm coming off a break now, uh, so. Just to fill you in on what happened here, um, there was some stuff going on in my life, in my personal life, and in my professional life. I mean, we've had this discussion before, but this time, uh, shortly after Befica won the title, uh, a very close friend of mine, uh, his his health took a turn for the worse, unfortunately, and he did ultimately, you know, succumb to his illness, and uh, we did lose him about two weeks ago now. And um, I had intended to record this episode. About two weeks ago, but as things were were happening on that front, um, I I just didn't have the concentration for it, and um, well, unfortunately, like I said, he did he did pass. Uh, he's been laid to rest, and um, well, it's I'm I'm ready to get back on this microphone and start talking, Mr. Benfica again. So this is where I'm picking up the ball now. At this stage. Now in the off season, okay. So uh, there's been some movement. We've made some good signings. Uh, I'll talk about that as we go. Uh, maybe not all. Maybe not today. But I will talk about that as as the summer goes on. 
But I'm going to recap the season today. I'm going to recap at least, you know, I'm going to put it all into a fairly quick recap. I mean, you guys all watched the season with me. Uh, you guys listened every time I put uh, every time I put an episode out. The, the The audience was pretty consistent. It was pretty much, you know, the same same audience episode after episode. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And um, we'll just get right into it. Okay, so here is... Uh, Here's a little bit of audio from that round 38 match with Santa Clara. These are the closing moments. This is courtesy of Antena Un, so it is in Portuguese. If you want to skip ahead, go ahead. It's about four minutes of audio here, so you can just skip the four minutes ahead in your player if you don't want to hear it. But this is what it sounded like on Portuguese national radio on Antena Un, the final closing moments and the first moments of the celebration at the Estadio de Luz, round 38 of the Liga Portugal. Vem beijar com orgulho muito seu 
as camisolas barrantes, que nos campos a vibrar, são copolas, saltitantes, festa encarnada, contigo Fernando. É uma festa absolutamente deslumbrante, milhares e milhares de castões e de bandeiras, ninguém arreda pé das bancadas do Estádio da Luz, retenho essa imagem que o Walter disse há pouco, todo o staff técnico do Benfica abraçar, Roger Schmidt, que depois foi cumprimentar um a um cada um dos jogadores, toda a gente agora ali a dançar no círculo central e vai falar agora o jogador do Santa Clara na flash da BTV. O Benfica a namorar com esse número sexy, o 38, no relevado. Saltinhos, 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 nas bancadas. Já lá Calma está aí. o António Silva. Sim. Tu que há pouco falaste dele, já lá está, equipado a rigor. Só lhe faltam mesmo as chuteiras, está com as sapatilhas pretas. Mas já lá está na festa também. So that was Nuno Matos, the legendary voice of Antena 1 there, along with his, uh, with his colleagues. Calling the final moments of the season there as Benfica win the 38 with this 3-0 victory over Santa Clara. Of course, Santa Clara relegated and on their way to Liga 2. So um, this was, you know, they were, this was it for them and they were looking probably to go down fighting. But in the end, I think Benfica did exactly what I had hoped they were going to do. They got the goal very early. Because I thought that's what the cl- the team really needed, because that would alleviate any of the stress, any of the worry in the fan base that we would somehow slip this up and let Porto take this title on the final day. We knew they were playing at home against Guimarães, and we learned within seconds they were up a man against Guimarães. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question the validity of that red card because it was a Valid red card. It's not consistently shown as a red card. Again, this is the issue in Portuguese football with referees is the inconsistency and the duality of criteria. But um, Porto got off to a flying start. So had we not, I mean, the tension could have been, you know, three times as much. And the pressure could have really been felt by the players as... um, as you know, the rivals were were well on their way to getting their three points, knowing we needed three points to guarantee the title or a, a point, and then it would go down to goal difference. We knew that Porto needed a minimum of 11 goals to catch us in that goal difference. When they got, you know, two right off the start, you started to wonder if uh, we were gonna we were gonna see them go to uh, 11 goals in that match. Fortunately doesn't even come down to that it doesn't even matter because Benfica take care of business before this match I was on Instagram live with with Nino Torres of Goal TV he invited me on along with Mike D uh, a radio personality down there in Providence Rhode Island a well-known radio personality radio host and along with Albert from from uh, the long ball football podcast and we discussed this match as he was getting ready to call it. Thank you to Nino for that. It was really cool being in there talking with the, all three of them and discussing, uh, you know, this, the match and the season and the way it's all gone for Benfica this year and getting to watch Nino do some of his sound checks as he was getting ready to call it. He kind of showed us in his studio what it looks like when he's calling games, and it was pretty cool. Uh, he had a feed up already before before Goal TV was up live. He had the, the double screen feed going with, the luge on the on the left and the dragon on the right uh but it, it was great to get to talk to those guys and get to discuss this match 
Um, looking at the lineups now for this match really quickly because I'm not going to spend a lot of time here on this match. Uh, this was pretty standard. This was what we needed. But for Luis Morgado and his Santa Clara side, they started off with Gabriel Batista in goal. And then his right back was Pierre Sanya, the Frenchman. A double pair of, or a double center back pairing of Italo and Igor, with the left back being Mateusz Nunge for Santa Clara. Double pivot in midfield, Jordan and Adriano teaming up with three attacking mids in front of them. Andres Zinho to the right, Almeida to the center, Bruno Almeida to be exact, and down the left is Ricardinho, 24-year-old Portuguese midfielder behind the striker, Mateusz, Brazilian 25-year-old striker. Again, this is Santa Clara's farewell to the first division, and I could be wrong, but I don't think we're going to see them anytime soon again in the first division. I think they have a lot of issues that need to be sorted out, and they need to rebuild their their relationship with their with their supporters base and with their island and their region because really they were this this season their their support disappeared. They really alienated their their fan base, and um, they got to get to. Repairing that for Befica, okay, four two three one as we know. Odie in goal. Alexander Ba returns to the starting lineup, and we know very well uh, how that resulted and uh, how badly we missed him. Only seven minutes in, and we see what he brings to the lineup when he is in there. Um, Antonio Silva, as you know, suspended after picking up a cumulative fifth. I believe it was his fifth yellow card in the preceding match. Meaning Moratu gets the start in the center of the back along with the captain, Nicolas Otamendi. And we didn't know this at the time, but we know this now. The He'll continue to be the captain of Sport Lisboa Benfica, Nicolas Otamendi, signing a two-year extension about a week or so after this match. And the left back playing his final match for Benfica is Alejandro Grimaldo. And you can say what you will about it, and I know it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I think it was a very fitting uh, end for a very good Benfica career for Grimaldo. Um, he gave this club everything in everything he had in the what was it seven eight seasons that he suited up for Benfica, and fittingly he got on the score sheet. For me, it's fittingly that he got on the score sheet. At the end of the, you know, in the second half, taking the penalty. I know a lot of people want to see Gonzalo Ramos take it. He was still in the run for the golden boot. But I think that uh, the likelihood of him catching Taremi was unlikely. And um, as we know, the referees gifted Taremi, you know, all those penalties down the stretch. Gonzalo Ramos didn't take penalties all season. So I don't know how he would have done. Uh, and I thought it was a nice little touch to let Grimaldo take this penalty and Despite, you know, some of the the polemica, the controversy in his departure and the way that it was announced more than the fact that he was leaving, I think it was nice to put this bow on it and to uh, let him have a goal on his way out of the luge. Double pivot in midfield, Florentino Luiz and John Snow's Dijon Neves. Uh, very stellar performance again from those guys. The attacking midfield three, no surprises there. Either Rafa in the 10 position with, with Romari to his right, Auschnitz to his left. But they are very much a three that weave in and out of those positions. Uh, and they're behind the striker, Gonzalo Ramos. And it took only seven minutes uh, to relieve the stress and relieve the fears. Because when the ball was played down the right flank, 
Alexander Bar gets on to, onto the end of it. He sends a picture perfect cross to the far post where Gonzalo Ramuz's timing couldn't be better. He arrives perfectly and he heads it by Batista for the goal. And Befica take the lead seven minutes in. So, and I do believe at this point Porto were already ahead. And it was definitely a nice bucket on Baldagua Fria for those at the Dragão, hoping for the miracle. And um, Benfica never looked uncomfortable in this match. It was just, it was just business as usual. They didn't look like you know they had a lot to lose here. They looked like they knew this was the final step, the final chapter to close the book on this season. And we get a nice counterattack. In uh, it comes in the 28th minute, not long after. It starts out of the back, and it starts with Rafa winning it. Rafa finds uh, João Mario, and João Mario carries into space. João Mario even puts the the burners on a little bit, and gets on his gets on his bicycle, as they say, gets some pace going. We don't usually see a lot of that from João Mario, and just as he's starting to get closed down, he plays it in to Rafa, who plays it back to him. And then again, João Mario plays it back across the face of goal. Rafa takes a touch, fires. It does hit off a defender and redirect past Batista. But it doesn't matter. Not one person in the luge cares that the, the shot was redirected. Rafa Silva scores. And that for him, ladies and gentlemen, was his uh, eighth goal in the Portuguese league. And he makes it 2-0 as Benfica. Now well on their way. Only an absolute collapse at this point was going to take the title from Befica. It would go that way to halftime. And uh, you, you start to wonder if, if Roger Schmidt is about to uh, start giving some guys some minutes. If he's going to start you know, shutting some guys down for the season. I know there was national team duty coming up for a lot of these guys. And um, it would be nice to get some extra, you know, get an extra half off. But I think everybody wants to play in this match. And uh, as we look at it at halftime, there were no subs from Benfica, only from Santa Clara. Kentu Missão replaces Bruno Almeida. Again, in the 60th minute, we do get a penalty kick. Um, again, this was some time ago now. This is a month ago, so I'm trying to remember back. I believe it required the VAR to be called into play, and then he gives the penalty. And it is Grimaldo who steps up, who had recently just converted one after João Mario had a string of misses. Uh, Grimaldo had taken it, I think, in Barcelos against Gil Vicente. He steps up here against Santa Clara, and it's not a well-taken penalty. Batista should have saved it. He gets it, he gets his hands to it, but he doesn't keep it out. It goes in. Grimaldo celebrates, takes off his jersey, Says thank you to the fans, kisses the badge, does the little heart with his hands. Uh, all very nice. I know for, for those who are mad and who don't, um, who didn't want him to play, this isn't going to make him feel better. But for those who understand and for those who wanted to see him leave in the best way possible, I think this closes the book very, very fittingly for one Alejandro Grimaldo and his, his time with Benfica. And uh, that's the 3-0. We see the substitutions come a little bit later in the 68th. Uh, David Nerj comes on for Rafa Silva. A little surprising that Nerj didn't start in this one. Musa replaces Gonzalo Ramos. So that was the end of the chase for the Golden Boot. But still a very, very productive, all-around fantastic season for the young Gonzalo Ramos, who is, at the moment of recording, still a Benfica player, but very much... Um, 
desired by by different clubs across the continent. And we'll see what happens with Gonzalo Ramos. Gilberto comes on for Alexander Ba. Remember, Ba coming off an injury. He had only played short minutes up to this point since the injury, uh, since that quite frankly, dirty tackle from from Mateus Uribe in the Clásico against Porto. Uh, he gets 72 minutes here. He comes off to an ovation, and Chiquinho comes off replacing Florentino. Again, there was there was plenty of there was plenty of uh, discussion, plenty of debate about whether Chiquinho should have started in this match. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to start rather than than uh, rather than João Neves or rather than Florentino, but I think. I think Roger put out the lineup. I believe I had said I was expecting with Nevj Intinu selected for this one. Uh, I think it was the right decision. And here comes Chiquinho. He gets to play out the final minutes of the season. And what was really, to be honest, a career season for Chiquinho. So when he looks back, this is going to be the, the season of his career where uh, he probably will have the fondest memories. You, you don't know what the future holds and you don't know. Uh, everyone, you know, Harps on how he's not a a Benfica level player. I think he's a squad player. I think he's exactly what he is to Benfica is how he was used as a squad player due to injury, due to transfers. He was asked to do more than his share, and he did it to a proficient level. And at the end of the day, we won the title. And um, I think Chiquinho has a lot to be proud of for himself for this season. Do I want an upgrade there? Of course, everyone does, and I think we've got that. When we talk about transfers going forward, a bunch of substitutions made for Santa Clara as well in the 73rd and 83rd. A double substitution in the 73rd. Diogo Kalila comes on for Pierre Sanya. And Alanu replaces Andres Zinho. Rildo replaces Bruno Jordão. And Paulo replaces Italo. The 88th minute, a very nice gesture from Roger Schmidt. He gets Samu on for the first time this season, allowing him to win a champion's medal with two minutes to play. Samu, Samuel Swadish, the B-team goalkeeper for much of the season, forced into the into the backup role when Elton late left. Uh, he comes on and he uh, earns his medal as he replaces Odi Vlacodimos in goal for the final moments of the season. And, of course, Benfica win this one. 3-0 champions for the 38th time. Damu 38 is history. It's time for Damu 39. And I think we even got that chant at the uh, at the City Hall when uh, at the Camara when when Benfica was meeting with the mayor of, of, of Lisbon, if that's what you call him. I know in Portuguese it's o Presidente da Camara or the president of the municipality. In English, we pretty much call that the mayor. Um, the fans began to chant that they want the 39, and I think Befica has gone into the market and has started to build a team capable of winning that 39. Let's look at some stats here. Uh, we got 66% possession for Befica, 2.41 um, expected goals, very good performance. Uh, 11 total shots, two of them were big chances, both of those became goals. No big chances missed for Benfica. 585 complete passes for an 89% efficiency. 14 fouls committed two times offside. Four corners, all right, and um, beating Santa Clara in every single statistical uh, category there is. We'll look at uh, some things here for Benfica for the season now. Uh, as we know, a let's, let's look at the table real quick. Let, let's look at the table, the final table then. And uh, Befica champions with 87 points. 
and basically that's the minimum to win the league in Portugal. It's very hard to win this league in that respect in the amount of points that you have to get in the fact that you cannot drop a lot of points. Porto are almost, even with their worst teams, seem a guarantee for 85 points as they were this season. Two points the difference and 11 goals in uh, the goal difference. Um, third place went to Braga with 78 points. They'll go into the UEFA Champions League preliminary stages. They'll go into the third preliminary round and hope to qualify for the playoff round, which will be the last the last qualification round before they get in. Not going to be easy for Braga. Um, there is a good possibility they'll end up back in the Europa League. Yes, Benfica have qualified the past two years out of that stage, but uh, Braga already, uh, they're going to have some squad turnover. They're going to have to bring in some new players. They're going to have a little less stability than what Benfica has gone into those rounds with. And, um, well, they just don't have, obviously, the financial means to go on the market and get the kind of players they need to be ready for that for those matches. It will come down to the draw, but they, they are a talented team. They have the ability. And if the draw doesn't absolutely massacre them, if they don't end up with a very, very, you know, unlikely um situation a very unlikely opponent that that's going to be very tough i think you could see them sneak through to the group stage and that would be great because it's the last season portugal will have three teams qualifying for the champions league sporting directly to the europa league uh group stage from a season planning standpoint from a preseason standpoint that's a good thing for Sporting. Uh, Ruben Amorin does not have to worry about preliminary stages and having to rush a team and having to rush into finding out his best 11 and trying to win competitive matches before the league has even started. And then in the Europa Conference League, we have Aroca and Vitoria Guimarães going in. Aroca, 54 points. Guimarães, 53. So Aroca, 20 points behind fourth place. Sporting. And maybe here in lies why Portugal struggles so much in the Europa Conference League. If you look at that, that is a massive uh, difference in points from third place or from fourth place to fifth place. And for Vitoria Guimarães, they already know their opponent. In fact, I'm going to pull it up for you. They already know their, their second uh, Europa Conference League qualifying round opponent. And I think this is a very accessible opponent or it's, it's one where I'm pretty sure... They're expected to advance, but they're going to be starting very, very early. And like with the Champions League and the Conference League, there is a champion's path and a main path. And this is this is a main reason Portuguese teams struggle to get to the group stages. Because now Aroca and Guimarães, even if they get through these, these qualifying rounds, they have to go into the main path. And waiting for them in the playoff round, which is the last round before... The group stage are these teams in the main path. Aston Villa, Athletic Bilbao, Juventus, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Lille. So only three teams out of this main path are going to find their way into that playoff round. Uh, Aroca and Vitor Gimenez are two of them. But there's also other strong teams in there. For example, Azed Alkmaar, Dinamo Kiev, Partizan Belgrade, Hajduk Split, Norgesland of, of, of uh, Denmark. All in that path. Only only two of those teams are going to join the the or three of those teams are going to join the five that I listed in the main path for the final four spots in the conference league. So not to uh, 
harp on anybody, not to dampen anybody's hopes, but it, very unlikely either of these Portuguese teams find their way into the UEFA Conference League. Um, the road is just very hard at the end of the day. But here is the draw for the second round. Vitoria Guimarães has been drawn against uh, against Slovenia's uh, team. I guess it's pronounced Silje, NK Silje. Uh, they are from the Slovenian League. And um, they also get a bye to the second round. So it's not even like they're playing one of these smaller clubs that are playing in the first qualifying round but that is the european outlook for the portuguese league going forward shavs finishes seventh with 46 fumalicão eighth with 44 same as boavista boavista who owe my man reggie cannon some money according to the reggie cannon camp in fact maritimo is holding out hope that boavista will be relegated for financial irregularities or for failure to meet certain financial requirements and maritimo hoping to stay in the portuguese top flight if Boavista are forced to be relegated due to financial reasons. This is Portugal, and I feel like every other season some team gets relegated for financial reasons, and some team is relegated and then saved again. Uh, just ask just ask Portimones what that's like, as they've stayed up a couple of times, I believe, now due to those reasons. Casapia, in their return to the first division, finished 10th. Very good job by them, uh, considering all the difficulties they have with no home stadium and uh, Really hard to get any support from their from their local supporters. Uh, they managed 41 points in 10th place. Vizela, 40 points. 11th place, Rio Ave. Uh, Rio Ave, 40 points as well. 12th place this past week or a week ago, Rio Ave just elected uh, a woman president. The first ever female president of a Portuguese top flight f football club. Congratulations to uh, Rio Ave. Her name is Alexandrina Cruz, and she replaces uh, she replaces her former boss. She was one of the vice presidents. She replaces Antonio Silva Campos, and maybe she can get that stand rebuilt. Maybe she can. Uh, maybe she can get that club presentable again. Uh, Rio Ave, one of the long-standing clubs, one of the more historic clubs. You know, a former uh, a team that's played in Europe, and um, well, this league needs these clubs to turn around. They're running very, very badly, and and. New new presidents and new ideas are always welcome in this league and are very much needed. 13th place goes to Gil Vicente. They finish with 37 points. Istoril, 14th with 35 points. Portimonense, safe again, this time by a comfortable six-point margin in 15th place, 34 points. Maritimo went into the playoff. Uh, in 16th place with 26 points. Uh, as we know now, they were they were beaten in that playoff by... Estrela Amadora, um, you can call them Sintra Football if you wanted, a club that was kind of, a lot of people are attributing it to the former Estrela that played in the first division for many years in the 90s and whatnot, but it's a, it's the same, it's a similar name, it's the same look, but it is a different, it, it was a club that was created in a merger between Sintra Football's SAD and the defunct uh, Estrela Amadora membership. So they are on their way back to the first division. And sadly, the worst part about it is it's another club without a stadium that meets first division requirements, from what I understand. Another club looking into playing their home matches at the Jamur. <sighs> so 
unfortunately for Maritimo. They lost on a penalty shootout, actually. They were relegated on a penalty shootout. It was two fantastic matches, really worth watching uh, those those uh, relegation promotion playoffs. But the side from Madeira for now, relegated, leaving all 18 teams next season in the Liga Portugal to be on the mainland in O Continente as the islands for the first time in in a long, long time, the islands are completely not part of the league. And, of course, as we know, already confirmed, Passos de Ferreira and Santa Clara joining them in the second division next season. I don't even want to read the <laughs> I don't even want to read the scoring uh, chart for this season as as I said before I for me that golden boot lost a lot of value with all of those penalty kicks especially when they were what three or four in one match given to Mehdi Taremi but I'll read it anyway uh, he wins the golden boot with 22 goals Gonzalo Ramos with 19 and Fran Navarro with 17 looking on a little further down the list Dromari who finishes fourth also with 17 uh, he scored seven of those 17 from the penalty spot Taremi scored seven of his 22 from the penalty spot Gonzalo Ramos did not even attempt a penalty this season Pot rounds out the top five with 15 goals for Sporting Ricardo Orta Yusupanije, Simon Baza, Banza, uh, Francisco Trincao, and Yuri Medeiros round out the top 10. Yuri Medeiros now on his way to Qatar, from what I understand. About to get a big pay bump, but again, big loss to Braga. And another reason I have my doubts about them in those Champions League qualifying rounds. But I hope that I am wrong. We will find out uh, in a couple weeks who they're going to play in that third qualifying round. Okay, so... Going down this, okay, looking at Benfica throughout the final stretch, of course, we had that very uh, tough stretch of matches between uh, the Porto match and the second leg against Inter. And uh, that's really the only hiccup of the season. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break, actually. We're going to hear Reconquista because we have reconquered the league. I'm going to take a quick break, switch gears, and when I come back, I'll give a general uh, look back at the season. I'll talk a little bit about that that 10-day period there and just talk about some other of my of the memories I'm taking with me from this season. And we'll also hear from some of the players in the celebrations. I got some audio to share with you guys, so uh, this is going to be a quick break. This is Mr. Benfica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram. On Twitter, it is at Benfica Mister. And on Instagram, it's at Mr. Benfica. Um, of course, um, throughout the summer, check out www.mrbenfica.com. I may post some content there throughout the summer through the quiet months here. Although it's not quiet because all anyone talks about is transfers day after day after day. Um, but for now, I'm going to take this quick little break. We're going to hear Marisa Liz. And on the other side, I will give some more thoughts on this 2022-2023 Sport Lisboa Benfica season that ends with the 38. I'll be right back. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo 
sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo so before we hear some of the sounds from the celebration, um, let's talk a little bit about the season as a whole, how it all started. We'll talk about starting with the, the transfers that came in. So this is the final roster, actually. I'll start with the final roster that finished the season for Benfica. These are your champions along with a few others. But the the roster starts with Gilberto Grimaldo, Lucas Verissimo, and I'm going in numerical order. So number two was Gilberto, number three, Grimaldo, number four, Lucas Verissimo, number six, Alexander Ba, number seven, um, David Neres, number eight, Frederick Auschnitz, who would join the team, I think, it, just before the close of the window. Gonzalo Guedes wore the number 15. He joined in January on loan from Wolves. Casper Tengstedt joined in January as well. Uh, he wore the number 19. João Mario, the vice captain, uh, number wore the number 20. 21 was Al, uh, Andreas Sheldrup, who also joined in January. And then you had number 22, Chiquinho. 23, Mihalo Ristich. 24 was Samu, the goal, backup goalkeeper. 27, Rafa. 30, the captain, Nicolas Otamendi. 33, Petar Musa, who joined from Boavista in the offseason. 61, the returning Florentino Luiz, who came back after a number of loans um, throughout the seasons, came back and found his way into this 11 and, and really won over Roger Schmidt here. Uh, number 66 was Antonio Silva, who was called in from the B team early in the season. Also from the B team, um, brought in late, later in the season, towards the end, was 73, the Italian Cher Nadur. Uh, 75 was Andrea Gomes. He didn't actually feature in any matches, but he was the third goalkeeper on the roster. 87, Johnny Snow's uh, real name is Joanevsh. Uh, he joined... Uh, he joined during the World Cup break, I think is when he officially joined the the roster and then finally debuted in the league a few months later. 88 was Gonzalo Ramos, 91 Moratu, 93 Ulian Draxler, who came on loan on the final day of the summer market, if I'm not mistaken. He came on loan from PSG. Diego Moreira started the season on the roster, didn't finish it there, though, as he would be demoted. And uh, Odysseus Vlacodimos, number 99. Also joining the team now, after that, uh, we had 
Let's see here. We brought in João Victor. We brought in Enzo Fernandez, who played in the first half of the season, as we all know. And that is a well-documented uh, telenovela that you can go back to the episodes going on in January to get what I thought of all that. Uh, but he came in for $10 million at the end of the summer and went out for a whole lot more in uh, in January. Auschwitz, as I said, joined on August the 24th. Uh, John Brooks, the American, joined on a free on the final day of the transfer window, same day as Ulian Draxler, and then would leave again at the in the January window. And as we said, Gonçal Gedge came in on loan on the 20th of January, plus the the Scandinavians that joined us, the young Scandinavians, on January the 11th. They joined uh, Tengstedt from Rosenborg and Sheldrup from Nordigland. Uh, players left this season though before and this there was there was some um there was some worry about who was going to score the goals because Darwin Nunez went to Liverpool for 75 million at the beginning of the season Everton Sibolinha to Flamengo for 13 and a half million Jetson Fernandes left for Besiktas or Besiktas for 6 million Thiago Dantas went on loan to Pauk in the Greek Super League Pedro Pereira went to Monza in the Serie A for $2.5 million. Jota completed a permanent move after a successful loan to Celtic. That was worth $7.3 million. Uh, Svilar joined Roma on a free as his contract expired last season. Ferru went on loan to Vitesse in the Dutch Eredivisie, while Harris Seferovic went on loan worth a million dollars, a million euros, excuse me. On July 19th, he went on loan to Galatasaray. Tomaj Arujo went on loan to Gil Vicente. Pizzi was transferred on a free to Al Wada of the United Arab Emirates. We would see him resurface in January in the Portuguese league for his former club, Sporting Braga. Uh, Nuno Santos, that's a story of its own. He went to Charlotte to Charlotte FC in uh, Major League Soccer for one million back on August the fourth, and has disappeared from them. F- off the off the pitch troubles have uh, have forced the club to kind of uh, distance themselves from Nuno Santos. Not really sure where he is right now, what he's doing, um, but he he did get into some legal trouble here in the United States uh, and thus uh, disappeared from the Charlotte lineup. He was playing and then he was starting and then suddenly he was gone. Uh, Gabriel went to went to Botafogo on a loan uh, that is. Um, on a loan back on August the 12th. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that loan has been made permanent, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Uh, Yarimchuk went for $16 million to Club Bruges in uh, the 29th of August. Carlos Vinicius went on a, f- on a permanent move to Fulham for $5 million. A couple of players loaned out, uh, Sohilo Meite and Ulian Weigel to Cremonese and Munchen Gladbach, respectively, for uh, loan deals. That was on the 1st of September. We now know Ulian Weigel's move was made permanent just a few, just about a month, month and a half ago. Adele Terapt on a free to El Nasser of the U- UAE while Jan Vertonghen joined Anderlecht on a free. Uh, those were both after the close of the European market. Um, the Belgian league has a few extra days in the market, and Vertonghen joined Anderlecht there. Rodrigo Pino went to Curitiba for $2.5 million. Diogo Gonçalves to Copenhagen for $2 million. Uh, Rodrigo Pino left on the 29th of December, while Diogo Gonçalves left on the 5th of January. Those guys are 
still champions, as is Jan Vertonghen and Ulian Weigel. Uh, and I believe also Roman Yarimchuk, all champions this year. Uh, the Elton Late went to Antalya Spor in the Turkish Super League on a free transfer on the 20th of January. Enrique Arujo went on loan to Watford, now rumored to be headed on loan to Istoril for the upcoming season. Uh, Tomasz Tavarz joined Spartak Moscow for $3 million. That was on the 24th of January. João Victor went on loan to Nantes uh, back on the 25th of January. And um, I believe he's returning. John Brooks has signed on the final day on a free on the final day of the summer window on nearly the final day of the January window. Went to Hoffenheim for half a million. Erman Conti went on a freebie to Lokomotiv Moscow while Gilles Diaz joined Stuttgart for two million. Paul Bernardo went on loan to Pasaj Tvjeda while Seferovic's loan ended at Galatasaray and he was then loaned once again this time to Celta de Vigo. We all know Enzo left for $121 million on the 31st of January in that saga. Andre Almeida uh, retired on the 1st of February. Well, I guess he didn't retire. He was let out of his contract on a free. He's not played or signed since. And Ferru went on a, on a permanent move for $1.5 million to Hajduk Split on the 15th of February. Total spent this season, and this needs to be addressed because our rivals point out that we spent hundreds of millions on players. We spent $87.8 million, but we brought in $259.8 million. Okay, so when, when they start selling like that, they can, they can also spend that kind of money. All right, so that those were the players. Also, like I said, also winning medals this season were John Brooks, Ulian Weigel, um, Elton Late, I believe he, he got in, Rodrigo Pinho, Diogo Salves, Jan Vertonghen, and uh, I think in Roman Yarimchuk. Those guys all also won medals this season as champions. So the season started off... Um, as well as you could have imagined. I mean, we went seven straight in the league without a loss. Plus, we won all of our Champions League qualifiers until October the 1st, where we drew nil-nil at Guimarães. That's not any type of uh, scandalous result. Anytime we go up there, it's difficult. And on that day, we just couldn't find the back of the net. Drew nil-nil, uh, but still unbeaten. Resumed our winning ways the very next round in round nine, beating Chihuahua at home 4-2. Then one of the three major wins for me this season came in round 10. That was the 1-0 win at the Ladrão over Porto. Remember, Rafa scores that goal to win the match. And Rafa can say what you want, but he had a couple of huge goals this season. This was one of them, the one at home to Braga, another that were crucial. Those six points in the end, uh, we wouldn't have won the title without them. We beat Chaves, we beat Estoril, we beat Gil Vicente, and then we went on the World Cup break on the 13th of November. In that time, we were also unbeaten in the Champions League, just to run down how those matches went. Uh, after qualifying, after winning all four qualifying matches, we beat Midgetland 4-0, Michelin, excuse me, 4-0 at home, 3-1 in Denmark, and then beat Dynamo Kiev 2-0 in Poland, and won 3-0 at home. We found ourselves in a group I believe it was Group H, if I'm not... Yeah, in Group H, we found ourselves with PSG, Juventus, and Maccabi Haifa. And 
going into the World Cup break. We were unbeaten in this competition as well. On September 6th, we beat Maccabi Haifa 2-0 at home. On September 14th, we went to Turin and won 2-1 at the Juventus Stadium and then came back a fortnight later, or three weeks later rather, on the 5th of October, drawing 1-1 with a very strong PSG. Remember, Leo Messi scored the goal for the French champions in that one, while uh, one of our former youth products turned uh, turned. Triperuj, Danilo Pereira had the own goal for PSG. That one finished 1-1. We then went the very next week to Paris, to our home away from home at the Parc des Princes uh, in Paris. And we managed a 1-1 draw there as well. Uh, both goals came from the spot. Mbappe for PSG and João Mario for us, 1-1. And then a 4-3 win at home against Juventus. Remember, we were up 4-1 in that one. And then... Um, had a little bit of a stumble, but the team regrouped, held on for the result. We had goals from from Antonio Silva, João Mario, and two from Rafa in that one. And uh, we held on for the 4-3 win, then went on that memorable match in Israel at uh, at the Sami Ofer Stadium against Maccabi Haifa. We went ahead 1-0 early thanks to Gonzalo Ramos, but the, they leveled thanks to Sherry. From the penalty spot in the 26th, and then we unloaded in the second half. A, game, a match that was 1-1 at halftime. We knew we had to beat out. We knew we had to win by five goals uh, to beat PSG. Not on goal difference, but we drew on goal difference, but we beat them on away goals scored, having scored six here in Haifa. Goals from Musa, Grimaldo, Rafa. Uh, was it Enrique? It was... Yeah, Enrique Araujo, who we would loan out, he actually put his his spot in. He was champion as well here. He did play this season in the league. Enrique Araujo, I forgot he was still part of the team in the Champions League, but he scored in the 86th. And then João Mario in the 90th plus two to win the group. So we went into the World Cup break unbeaten. Also in the cup, we eliminated Caldas on uh, penalties, 5-3. to three. Go back in the archives several episodes back I covered that match at length and I talked about just how how massive that match was for me on a personal level and um, then on November the 9th we beat Istril 1-0 at the João Mata at the Antonio Coimbra de Mata Stadium excuse me uh, goal in that one from from David Nerj at Caldas it was Musa who got the goal and uh, that took us to the World Cup break and then we came back from the World Cup break this was uh a small bump in the road. We rebounded quickly, but we did lose 3-0 at Braga. Remember, this is when the story of Enzo Fernandez was all around us, and Roger insisted on playing Enzo, and with good reason. He was, he played through the World Cup, and he and Roger said him in, in Otamendi, having won the World Cup and having played all seven matches, were the only players that had really played that many matches in the past month that the other players were missing rhythm. However, Enzo was very distracted and not very good in this match. And in the end, we lose 3-0 to Braga at their stadium at the quarry. But we rebound quickly after that, a win over Portimonense at home in a match where the the result made it look closer than it was. A 1-0 win on a ninth-minute penalty from João Mario, but we were fantastic in every other aspect of the match. We just could not uh, get 
the ball past the goalkeeper again. Remember, uh, Naka, uh, Nakamura putting in an, an just out of this world performance and goal against us that day. We then went, um, and actually, I should say, the Braga match was the 30th of January. On the 6th of January, we played Portimonense. In there, there was the Tasa of the League. I should quickly touch on those. We didn't advance out of the group stage, even though we didn't lose a match. Uh, we we finished with seven points after beating Strela Amadora 3-2, beating Penafiel 2-0, and drawing 1-1 with Morirens. Morirens advances uh, to the knockout round with uh, one goal more scored than us. And um, a, a tro- we lost a chance to win a trophy, and that was worth mentioning, but it was with you know a majority of our team not there, uh, a lot of players at the World Cup, and also given the opportunity to play some of the other guys in that competition. So we get back, and in January, like I said, the win over um, Portimonense on the 6th. On the 15th, we hosted Sporting Club de Portugal, or Sporting Lisbon, as I like to call them. And uh, we came back twice against them. First, we had an own goal thing uh, come off. Alexander Ba putting Sporting in the lead, but Gonzalo Ramuz leveled it in the 37th. And then um, Pot would score from the penalty spot in the on the fifth sorry on the 53rd minute of the second half. And Gonzalo would answer again. And I covered that match at length. This one finished 2-2. So we dropped uh well, we, we dropped points for the second match in three. And um the gap was closing a little bit, but then we go on a fantastic winning streak here. We go on one. We go from round twenty, from round seventeen to twenty-six, all victories, wins over Santa Clara, Passos Ferreira, Aroca, Casapia, Bovista, Vizela, Famalicão, Maritibo, Vitória Guimarães, and Rio Ave. I talked about the Rio Ave match. That's the second of my three massive victories this season. And I said on this podcast, and I I got a little nervous. I thought I was gonna have to, I might have to eat these words when I said when we won that match one nil. I said we had clinched the title that day on April the second. The very next week we hosted Porto, and a draw would have been enough. We went in with a ten point lead. We even got ahead when Gonzalo Ramos' header went off the crossbar, hit Diogo Costa in the back, and went in. But of course, as we know, uh, Alexander Ba would be injured on what I consider a criminal tackle from Mateusz uh, Uribe. And um, he would only see a yellow for that in the, in the 22nd minute. VAR didn't even review it. And in the 45th, Uribe gets on the end of a pass. I think it was a chest pass from... Grujic or one of the one of those big clowns from from Porto and uh, Uribe beats Odie with it one one in the second half. Taremi scores one in the fifty fourth, and uh, we're unable to get an equalizer. And suddenly Benfica lose the first match at home all season. And this was the tough portion of the season. It was only a ten day window, but it feels like it was weeks and months because just like that, our confidence was shot. It, it it undid six months of brilliant play and of confidence we had gained in them with this one loss to Porto. It's like, here we go again. Whenever it is these guys, and we waited and see to see how this was going to affect the psyche of the team. Of course, before these two matches, I should notice we I should mention, excuse me, that we eliminated Club Rouge in the Champions League round of 16, and we were in the quarters now against Inter. We had Inter right after this match at home. 
uh, we hosted Inter in the quarterfinal first leg and was probably our weakest uh, Champions League performance of the season. In front of a full house that was still 100% behind Benfica. But um, the match at the previous weekend, I do believe, affected us in this ma- in this one. I think had we beaten Porto and gone ahead 13 points or even gotten the draw, came back and got the confidence with a late equalizer or something, I think we entered this match completely different. And I think we look sharper in this match if we had been on a little bit more of an emotional high. But that low brought us in. And then the 51st, Barella made it 1-0 for Inter. And in the 82nd, Lukaku from the penalty spot on an absolutely horrible call from Michael Oliver. I'm going to say again, the, the nothing against England, okay? But their referees are terrible. They're as bad as the Portuguese ones, except they're much more highly regarded. Um, again, Michael Oliver... Calls this one a handball, but then in the in the in the Europa League final, uh, he's the fourth official for uh, for Anthony Taylor. When a similar and uh, to be honest, worst situation happens, and Anthony Taylor does not point to the spot in favor of Roma in that one. And again, the, these English referees absolutely did a number on us, and um, that penalty really, I think, is the one that eliminated us from the tie. Um, I know that, listen, Inter are strong, and we went in there, and we didn't even win the second the second leg. But if we had only gone in with the minimal one-goal defeat, I think we might have we had just a little more luck and a little more belief in that second leg. But Lukaku's pen made it 2-0. And the bad times uh, continued after that as it went from bad to worse for us on April the 15th. We went up north to the Stadio Municipal de Chaves. And probably the rock-bottom moment of the season. In a match, we didn't even play all that bad, to be honest with you. But again, we talk about the referees. João Pinheiro does not call a penalty. His VAR does not call him to the monitor when Nicolas Otamendi was clearly taken down in the area on the ensuing free kick or the ensuing... Uh, he actually calls a foul on Otamendi, if I remember correctly, when he was should have been the recipient of the foul. And no VAR check. The ensuing free kick, long ball sent. Otamendi, you know, trying to get the ball quickly and get forward because we needed a goal in stoppage time to to try to get a victory, get back on our winning ways. We just couldn't buy a goal all match. We ran into an, another match where the goalkeeper just was not going to let anything by him, and he made saves with every body part you can imagine. Otamendi slips, and Isa walks in, and Isa beats Odie. And Shavj steal three points from us. And what was absolutely the rock bottom point of the season. Our lead now reduced to just two points. Or reduced to five maybe. I'm trying to remember now. Uh, reduced to four points. Thank you. It was reduced to four points. And now it was like any slip up. And we would be within one. We would be within one bad result of squandering the lead that we had held isolated. We had held by ourselves since uh, round four, but and we'd been in first in a share of first the entire season. The second leg, though, in Inter or in Milan for me against Inter was a turning point and got us out of this funk. No, we did not advance, but tying 3 3 and getting two late goals at the San Siro, though they weren't enough to see us through, I think they gave the club and the players the confidence they needed for the remaining league matches. We had got the feel of putting the ball in the goal again. And we had turned it around. 
And that momentum carried into round 29 at home against Istriel at the Luge. Another packed house, 100% behind the home side, behind Benfica. And making up for his previous slip-up one round earlier, Nicolas Otamendi with the winning goal in the 44th minute. And uh, we would win 1-0, get three points again. And now the championship fever is really bubbling at this point. Porto, we had said, I had said, all the other podcasts had said, Porto are not going to drop any more points. You can bet on it. And we saw every type of of absolute refereeing gymnastics done to keep them at that, you know, at that point of getting 100% points and pushing us to the final day. We went to Barcelos the next weekend. And we made a mini Stadio de Luz there at the Stadio Cidade de Barcelos. And Chiquinho uh, with the winner in the 74th. And this was fitting because this was on the back of so much criticism from the supporters. Remember, uh, this match, I, I'll always remember, this is where Roger Schmidt decided to move Auschwitz to right wing back. He played this match as a wing back and he gets the assist on Chiquinho's goal. In the 86th, Grimaldo would convert a pin. And we would walk away with a 2-0 victory. And then the match of the season, the ultimate, this one has to be the one where the the title was, you know, with the mathematical odds really shifted in our favor. Home on the 6th of May versus Braga in a tight match. In in one where we were very, very good. Again, trouble getting goals, but we were never really under any kind of threat from Braga. And Braga at this point is still fighting for the title. We're only, if I remember correctly, we were only eight or nine points ahead of them. A win would put them, you know, within a realistic shot of of trying to steal the title in the final uh, three weeks of the season. Plus, it would have it would have kept them close to Football Club do Porto and chasing them for that second place spot. They didn't seem as concerned about that because they never had anything to say about the... Penalty after penalty after penalty that was awarded to Porto. They never had anything to say, but they had a lot to say about this one. And, um, well, in the end, it is Rafa going on an absolute run after a brilliant ball being played to him by David Nerj. Rafa scoring against his former club in the 67th minute. The the Stade de Luge erupts, explodes, if you will. He erupts and explodes. The bench clears as everyone celebrates. And... This one nothing win for me is the third of the three massive, crucial, key victories in this year's championship run. This one was huge, and those three points ultimately give us the title. But we still had to play out the rest of the schedule, the, the four-point lead. We couldn't let it get down, and we had to go to Portimão to face Portimonense, as I call him, or, or uh, Porto B, Portimonense. And in a match, I think that within good reason, we were all nervous about, especially with the type of performance that their goalkeeper Nakamura put on against us in the first half of the season, in the first time around. It was a nervy one, but Grimaldo comes to the comes to the front again, and this guy was huge this season. There is no question this guy is huge this season. I know it didn't end the best, but it could have been worse, and... Um, Here's a huge goal, maybe his goal of the season, as he would score in the fourth minute. And Artur Suarez would give the goal. VAR could not disprove it. To this day, nobody's 100% sure that the ball went in. 
but that fourth goal gave Benfica that fourth minute goal, excuse me, gave Benfica the confidence needed. It gave them also the ability to settle in a little bit in the 28th minute. Romo Mario was looking for Rafa arriving late, or could have been Gonzalo Ramos. I don't remember anymore. And he, his cross, though, is redirected by Relvash into his own goal. 2-0. And the crowd erupts there. And suddenly, you know, you can taste the 38 coming at this point. Ahead, 2-0. Portimonense would pull one back thanks to Pedro on a play that was uh, a sloppy bit of defending by Moratu in the area. And and uh, Portimonense cuts it 2-1 for halftime or just before halftime. Um, Nicolas Otamendi sitting this one out on a yellow card suspension, but fortunately that means he was able to play against uh, against Sporting in the penultimate game, the final home match of the season. And we saw him in the crowd sitting next to Sher Nadur as uh, they were watching this one. And just before halftime, Gonzalo Ramuz sets everyone's nerves at ease with a 45th minute goal beating Nakamura. We go into the halftime team talk. Ahead 3-1 on the road. Petr Musa enters in the 86th, scores in the 87th, scores in the 89th. 5-1 victory in Algarve. And now the t- the championship was simply just, it was just three points away at this point. And we hoped to get it done at the Alvalade on the 21st of May. And it couldn't have started any worse as Sporting took the lead in the 39th minute. Thanks to Francisco Trincão. And uh, for me, a mistake by Antonio Silva in a failure to clear the ball. Odie makes the original save, but the rebound falls right to Trincao, and Odie has no chance on it. I know a lot of people think Odie's to blame on this one. He didn't come out right. We can agree to disagree on that. It doesn't matter anymore. But uh, the worst part was uh, an ensuing corner kick just five minutes later. Pot would hit it. Right onto the head of Diomande, and Diomande beats Odiseas with a perfect header. I don't think Odi had any chance on this one. Sporting go into the locker room 2-0 up at halftime. Porto winning already had one, I believe, uh, on the night. As I believe, if I remember correctly, they played first. So the lead was down to one point. And at this point, we were going to go into the final round ahead by only one point. Um, knowing we would have needed a victory at home at Santa Clara. Worst case scenario, we still only needed a victory at uh, home against Santa Clara to win the title. But the team showed class. The team showed fight. Came out of the halftime uh, team talk completely motivated. You could see from the very first kick of the ball in the second half that Benfica were determined. Auschwitz scores a beautiful header in the 71st minute. And then this one goes all the way to stoppage time. And in the 90th plus four on a broken play. But these are the kind of plays that titles are won with. Uh, the ball is whipped in. There's, it's headed across the face of goal by, I want to say it was headed across by Morato. Maybe it was Maybe it was someone else. It might have been Musa. I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time. It's been over a month. But... Um, Ball finds it to João Neves. João Neves' first effort is cleared off the line or saved off the line by somebody's chest. But the rebound falls to Neves again. And Johnny Snows, he buries it in the roof of the goal in the 90th plus four. Rescues a point and more importantly, rescues morale, rescues the confidence, removes the doubt in this team going into the final day. Yes, the lead was down to only two points, but we knew even a draw now 
could be and will would likely be enough to win the title. We knew after this match that even if we if we drawed if we drew, excuse me, Porto would have to win by 11 goals. And um, well, we talked about the Santa Clara match before this uh, before this segment. 64,012 were in attendance, and Gonzalo Ramos, Rafa, and Grimaldo with goals. Benfica champion for the 38th time, 2022-2023. So let's get to the celebration, why don't we? We've been talking for a while. Let's hear from the players. Let's hear from the Vikings first. The the three three of the of the Nordic guys, the, the Alexander Bond, not in this group talk. This was on the pitch. This was on BTV pitch side. Of course, I had podcasted just before the match about the disappearance of BTV here in the United States. Hope everyone was able to find a solution for themselves, whether it was an IPTV or whether you subscribe to BTV directly from the team's website. Um, you were able to watch these celebrations in uh, in full length, but here is uh, here are the 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 Nordics. This was, I believe, uh, I believe this was Auschwitz, Tenstad, and Sheldrup speaking to BTV after the match on the pitch. Uh, it's a special season. Uh, let's start uh, for Auschwitz. Uh, incredible your participation in this title. Yeah, it's been incredible. It's been a fantastic year, and yeah, the the teamwork and the spirit and the, and the hard work we we put down. It's been incredible this year. Uh, in which way did you help uh, these young boys uh, to a new club, to a new uh, era, uh, and to a new country? No, it's been good because we 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 speak the same language almost and. Uh, and yeah, it's been very nice to, to have them here, and uh, you have Alex as well, so uh, yeah, it's been fantastic to, to get them in the group. Sheldrup, watch this, was important to you? Yeah, very important, of course as a friend, but also as a player for Benfica, and yeah, we formed a little Scandinavian gang, and it's very nice, both on the pitch, but also to enjoy off the pitch. As a youngster, how do you deal with such emotions? Yeah, it's difficult to take it all in right now, but yeah, just an uh, amazing feeling, and yeah, very humble to be a part of this. And these months here in Benfica could be important to the next season? Yes, of course. I've learned a lot in these months and I'm hoping to take everything with me into the next season and hopefully win the number 39 next year. Yeah, and thanks, Ed. You are uh, starting in, uh, in a new club, a uh, new culture, a new country. Uh, what did you learn in these uh, five months? Yeah, of course, it was a step up for me uh, from the club I came from. So. There was a lot of new things to learn and uh, yeah, I have Fredrik and Alex to help me in the beginning, me and Andreas and uh, yeah, it's been some tough month and uh, yeah, I hope uh, we will be ready for the next season. Did you talk with Alexander Ba uh, about Benfica? Did he help you? We, we spoke a little bit before I, I made the move here but uh, yeah, he only said positive thing and I saw everything when I came here so yeah, it's an amazing club. Next season, um, you will start from the beginning. That will be uh, more useful and uh, more solid uh, to all of the season. Yeah, I think we have the four or five months now to learn the things, to like the the style we are we are playing here. So hopefully we can be ready for the next season. Now we know everything about the club. So yeah, I hope so. Thank you very much, Ian. Who's not? So before we hear some of the sounds from the celebration, um, let's talk a little bit about the season as a whole, 
how it all started. We'll talk about starting with the, the transfers that came in. So this is the final roster, actually. I'll start with the final roster that finished the season for Benfica. These are your champions, along with a few others. But the the roster starts with Gilberto Grimaldo, Lucas Verissimo, and I'm going in numerical order. So number two was Gilberto, number three, Grimaldo, number four, Lucas Verissimo, number six, Alexander Ba, number seven, um, David Neresh, number eight, Frederick Auschnitz, who would join the team, I think, it, just before the close of the window. Gonzalo Guedes wore the number 15. He joined in January on loan from Wolves. Casper Tinkstadt joined in January as well. Uh, he wore the number 19. João Mario, the vice captain, uh, number wore the number 20. 21 was Al, uh, Andreas Sheldrup, who also joined in January. And then you had number 22, Shikinyu. 23, Mihalo Ristich. 24 was Samu, the goal, backup goalkeeper. 27, Rafa. 30, the captain, Nicolas Otamendi. 33, Petar Musa, who joined from Boavista in the offseason. 61, the returning Florentino Luiz, who came back after a number of loans um, throughout the seasons, came back and found his way into this 11 and, and really won over Roger Schmidt here. Uh, number 66 was Antonio Silva, who was called in from the B team early in the season. Also from the B team, um, brought in late, later in the season, towards the end, was 73, the Italian Cher Nadur. Uh, 75 was Andrea Gomes. He didn't actually feature in any matches, but he was the third goalkeeper on the roster. 87, Johnny Snow's uh, real name is Joanevsh. Uh He joined... Uh, he joined during the World Cup break, I think is when he officially joined the the roster and then finally debuted in the league a few months later. 88 was Gonzalo Ramos, 91 Moratu, 93 Ulian Draxler, who came on loan on the final day of the summer market, if I'm not mistaken. He came on loan from PSG. Diego Moreira started the season on the roster, didn't finish it there, though, as he would be demoted. And uh, Odiseas Vlacodimos, number 99. Also joining the team now, after that, uh, we had, let's see here, we brought in João Victor. We brought in Enzo Fernandez, who played in the first half of the season, as we all know. And that is a well-documented uh, telenovela that you can go back to the episodes going on in January to get what I thought of all that. Uh, but he came in for $10 million at the end of the summer and went out for a whole lot more in uh, in January. Auschwitz, as I said, joined on August the 24th. Uh, John Brooks, the American, joined on a free on the final day of the transfer window, same day as Ulian Draxler, and then would leave again at the in the January window. And as we said, Gonçal Gedge came in on loan on the 20th of January, plus the the Scandinavians that joined us, the young Scandinavians on January the 11th. They joined uh, Tinkstedt from Rosenborg and Sheldrup from Nordigland. Uh Players left this season though before, and this there was there was some um, there was some worry about who was going to score the goals because Darwin Nunez went to Liverpool for $75 million at the beginning of the season. Everton, Sibolinha to Flamengo for $13.5 million. Jetson Fernandes left for Besiktas, or Besiktas for $6 million. Thiago Dantas went on loan to Pauk in the Greek Super League. Pedro Pereira went to 
Monza in the Serie A for $2.5 million. Jota completed a permanent move after a successful loan to Celtic. That was worth $7.3 million. Uh, Svilar joined Roma on a free as his contract expired last season. Ferru went on loan to Vitesse in the Dutch Eredivisie, while Harris Ferovic went on loan worth a million dollars, a million euros, excuse me. On July 19th, he went on loan to Galatasaray. Tomaj Arouju went on loan to Gilles Vicente. Pizzi was transferred on a free to Al Huada of the United Arab Emirates. We would see him resurface in January in the Portuguese league for his former club, Sporting Braga. Uh, Nuno Santos, that's a story of its own. He went to Charlotte to Charlotte FC in uh, Major League Soccer for $1 million back on August the 4th and has disappeared from them. Off-the-pitch off the troubles have, uh, have forced the club to kind of uh, distance themselves from Nuno Santos. Not really sure where he is right now, what he's doing, um, but he, he did get into some legal trouble here in the United States. Uh, and thus uh, disappeared from the Charlotte lineup. He was playing, and then he was starting, and then suddenly he was gone. Uh, Gabriel went to went to Botafogo on a loan uh, that is um, on a loan back on August the twelfth. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that loan has been made permanent, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. Uh, Yarimchuk went for sixteen million to Club Bruges. In uh, the 29th of August, Carlos Vinicius went on a f- on a permanent move to Fulham for five million. A couple of players loaned out: uh, Sohilo Meite and Ulian Weigel to Cremonese and München Gladbach, respectively, for uh, loan deals. That was on the 1st of September. We now know Ulian Weigel's move was made permanent just a few, just about a month, month and a half ago. Adel Terapt on a free to El Nasser of the U- UAE while Jan Vertonghen joined Anderlecht on a free. Uh, Those were both after the close of the European market. Um, The Belgian League has a few extra days in the market, and Vertonghen joined Anderlecht there. Rodrigo Pino went to Curitiba for $2.5 Diogo Gonçalves to Copenhagen for $2 million. Uh, Rodrigo Pino left on the 29th of December, while Diogo Gonçalves left on the 5th of January. Those guys are still champions, as is Jan Vertonghen and Ulian Weigel, uh, and I believe also Roman Yarimchuk, all champions this year. Uh, the Elton Late went to Antalya Spor in the Turkish Super League on a free transfer on the 20th of January. Enrique Arujo went on loan to Watford, now rumored to be headed on loan to Istoril for the upcoming season. Uh, Tomasz Tavarz joined Spartak Moscow for $3 million. That was on the 24th of January. João Victor went on loan to Nantes uh, back on the 25th of January. And um, I believe he's returning. John Brooks has signed on the final day on a free on the final day of the summer window. On nearly the final day of the January window. Went to Hoffenheim for half a million. Herman Conti went on a freebie to Lokomotiv Moscow. While Gilles Diaz joined Stuttgart for two million. Paul Bernardo went on loan to Passage Tvejeda while Seferovic's loan ended at Galatasaray and he was then loaned once again, this time to Celta de Vigo. We all know Enzo left for $121 million on the 31st of January in that saga. Andre Almeida uh, retired on the 1st of February. Well, I guess he didn't retire. He was let out of his contract on a free. He's not played or signed since. 
and Ferru went on a on a permanent move for one and a half million to Hajduk split on the 15th of February. Total spent this season, and this needs to be addressed because our rivals point out that we spent hundreds of millions on players. We spent 87.8 million, but we brought in 259.8 million. Okay, so when when they start selling like that, they can they can also spend that kind of money. All right, so that those were the players. Also, like I said, also winning medals this season were John Brooks, Ulian Weigel, um, Elton Late, I believe he he got in, Rodrigo Pinho, Diogo Salves, Jan Vertonghen, and uh, I think in Roman Yaremchuk. Those guys all also won medals this season as champions. So the season started off. Um, as well as you could have imagined. I mean, we went seven straight in the league without a loss. Plus, we won all of our Champions League qualifiers until October the 1st, where we drew nil-nil at Guimarães. That's not any type of uh, scandalous result. Anytime we go up there, it's difficult. And on that day, we just couldn't find the back of the net. Drew nil-nil, uh, but still unbeaten. Resumed our winning ways the very next round in round nine, beating Chihuahua at home 4-2. Then one of the three major wins for me this season came in round 10. That was the 1-0 win at the Ladrão over Porto. Remember, Rafa scores that goal to win the match. And Rafa can say what you want, but he had a couple of huge goals this season. This was one of them, the one at home to Braga. Another that were crucial. Those six points in the end, uh, we wouldn't have won the title without them. We beat Chaves, we beat Estoril, we beat Gil Vicente, and then we went on the World Cup break on the 13th of November. In that time, we were also unbeaten in the Champions League, just to run down how those matches went. Uh, after qualifying, after winning all four qualifying matches, we beat Midgetland 4-0, Michelin, excuse me, 4-0 at home, 3-1 in Denmark, and then beat Dinamo Kiev 2-0 in Poland, and won 3-0 at home. We found ourselves in a group I believe it was Group H, if I'm not... Yeah, in Group H, we found ourselves with PSG, Juventus, and Maccabi Haifa. And going into the World Cup break, we were unbeaten in this competition as well. On September 6th, we beat Maccabi Haifa 2-0 at home. On September 14th, we went to Turin and won 2-1 at the Juventus Stadium. And then came back... A fortnight later, or three weeks later, rather, on the 5th of October, drawing 1-1 with a very strong PSG. Remember, Leo Messi scored the goal for the French champions in that one, while uh, one of our former youth products turned uh, turned Triperuj, Danilo Pereira, had the own goal for PSG. That one finished 1-1. We then went the very next week to Paris, to our home away from home at the Parc des Princes uh, in Paris, and... We managed a 1-1 draw there as well. Uh, both goals came from the spot. Mbappe for PSG and João Mario for us, 1-1. And then a 4-3 win at home against Juventus. Remember, we were up 4-1 in that one and then um, had a little bit of a stumble, but the team regrouped, held on for the result. We had goals from from Antonio Silva, João Mario, and two from Rafa in that one. And uh, we held on for the 4-3 win, then went on that memorable match in Israel at uh, at the Sami Ofer Stadium 
against Maccabi Haifa. We went ahead 1-0 early thanks to Gonzalo Ramos, but the, they leveled thanks to Sherry from the penalty spot in the 26th, and then we unloaded in the second half. A, game, a match that was 1-1 at halftime. We knew we had to beat out. We knew we had to win by five goals uh, to beat PSG. Not on goal difference, but we drew on goal difference, but we beat them on away goals scored, having scored six here in Haifa. Goals from Musa, Grimaldo, Rafa. Uh, was it Enrique? It was, yeah, Enrique Araujo, who we would loan out. He actually put his, his spot in. He was champion as well here. He did play this season in the league. Enrique Araujo, I forgot he was still part of the team in the Champions League, but he scored in the 86th. And then João Mario in the 90th plus two to win the group. So we went into the World Cup break unbeaten. Also in the cup, we eliminated Kaldish on uh, penalties, 5-3. to three. Go back in the archives f- several episodes back. I covered that match at length, and I talked about just how how massive that match was for me on a personal level. And um, then on November the 9th, we beat Istriel 1-0 at the, Mata, at the Antonio Coimbra de Mata Stadium. Excuse me. Uh, goal in that one from from David Nerj at Caldas. It was Musa who got the goal. And uh, that took us to the World Cup break. And then we came back from the World Cup break. This was uh, a small bump in the road. We rebounded quickly, but we did lose 3-0 at Braga. Remember, this is when the story of Enzo Fernandez was all around us. And Roger insisted on playing Enzo. And with good reason, he was, he played through the World Cup. And, he, and Roger said him in, in Otamendi, having won the World Cup, and having played all seven matches, were the only players that had really played that many matches in the past month that the other players were missing rhythm. However, Enzo was very distracted and not very good in this match. And in the end, we lose 3-0 to Braga at their stadium at the quarry. But we rebound quickly after that, a win over Portimonense at home in a match where the the result made it look closer than it was. A 1-0 win on a ninth-minute penalty from João Mario, but we were... Fantastic in every other aspect of the match. We just could not uh, get the ball past the goalkeeper again. Remember uh, uh, Nakamura putting in an an just out-of-this-world performance and goal against us that day. We then went, um, and actually I should say, the Braga match was the 30th of January. On the 6th of January, we played Portimonense. In there, there was the Tasa of the League, I should quickly touch on those we didn't advance out of the group stage even though we didn't lose a match uh we we finished with seven points after beating Strela Amadora 3-2 beating Penafiel 2-0 and drawing 1-1 with Morirens Morirens advances uh to the knockout round with uh, one goal more scored than us and um a, a tro- we lost a chance to win a trophy and that was worth mentioning but it was with you know a majority of our team not there, uh, a lot of players at the World Cup, and also given the opportunity to play some of the other guys in that competition. So we get back, and in January, like I said, the win over um, Portimonense on the 6th. On the 15th, we hosted Sporting Club de Portugal, or Sporting Lisbon, as I like to call them, and uh, we came back twice against them. First, we had an own goal thing uh, come off, Alexander Ba putting Sporting in the lead, but Gonzalo Ramos leveled it in the 37th. And then um, Pot would score from the penalty spot in the on the fifth. Sorry, on the 53rd minute of the second half. 
And Gonzalo would answer again, and I covered that match at length. This one finished 2-2, so we dropped, uh, well, we, we dropped points for the second match in three. And um, the gap was closing a little bit, but then we go on a fantastic winning streak here. We go on one, we go from round 20, from round 17 to 26, all victories. Wins over Santa Clara, Passos Ferreira, Aroca, Casapia, Bovista, Vizela, Famalicão, Maritibo, Vitória Guimarães, and Rio Ave. I talked about the Rio Ave match. That's the second of my three massive victories this season. And I said on this podcast, and I I got a little nervous. I thought I was gonna have to, I might have to eat these words when I said when we won that match one nil. I said we had clinched the title that day on April the second. The very next week, we hosted Porto, and a draw would have been enough. We went in with a 10-point lead. We even got ahead when Gonzalo Ramos' header went off the crossbar, hit Diogo Costa in the back, and went in. But, of course, as we know, uh, Alexander Ba would be injured on what I consider a criminal tackle from Mateusz uh, Uribe. And... Um, he would only see a yellow for that in the in the 22nd minute. VAR didn't even review it. And in the 45th, Uribe gets on the end of a pass. I think it was a chest pass from Grujic or one of the one of those big clowns from, from Porto. And uh, Uribe beats Odie with it 1-1 in the second half. Taremi scores one in the 54th. And uh, we're unable to get an equalizer. And suddenly, Benfica lose the first match at home all season. And this was the tough portion of the season. It was only a 10-day window, but it feels like it was weeks and months because just like that, our confidence was shot. It it undid six months of brilliant play and of confidence we had gained in them with this one loss to Porto. It's like, here we go again. Whenever it is these guys... And we waited and see to see how this was going to affect the psyche of the team. Of course, before these two matches, I should notice we I should mention, excuse me, that we eliminated Club Bruges in the Champions League round of 16, and we were in the quarters now against Inter. We had Inter right after this match at home. Uh, we hosted Inter in the quarterfinal first leg, and was probably our weakest uh, Champions League performance of the season. In front of a full house that was still 100% behind Benfica. But um, the match at the previous weekend, I do believe, affected us in this ma- in this one. I think had we beaten Porto and gone ahead 13 points or even gotten the draw, came back and got the confidence with a late equalizer or something, I think we entered this match completely different. And I think we look sharper in this match if we had been on a little bit more of an emotional high. But that low brought us in. And then the 51st, Barella made it 1-0 for Inter. And in the 82nd, Lukaku from the penalty spot on an absolutely horrible call from Michael Oliver. I'm going to say again, the, the nothing against England, okay? But their referees are terrible. They're as bad as the Portuguese ones, except they're much more highly regarded. Um, again, Michael Oliver... Calls this one a handball, but then in the in the in the Europa League final, uh, he's the fourth official for uh, for Anthony Taylor. When a similar and uh, to be honest, worst situation happens, and Anthony Taylor does not point to the spot in favor of Roma in that one. And again, the, these English referees absolutely did a number on us, and. Um, that penalty really, I think, is the one that eliminated us from the tie. 
Um, I know that, listen, Inter are strong, and we went in there, and we didn't even win the second the second leg. But if we had only gone in with the minimal one goal defeat, I think we might have we might have had just a little more luck and a little more belief in that second leg. But Lukaku's pen made it two nil, and the bad times uh, continued after that as it went from bad to worse for us. On April the fifteenth, we went up north to the Stadio Municipal de Chaves. And probably the rock-bottom moment of the season. In a match we didn't even play all that bad, to be honest with you. But again, we talk about the referees. João Pinheiro does not call a penalty. His VAR does not call him to the monitor when Nicolas Otamendi was clearly taken down in the area on the ensuing free kick or the ensuing... Uh, he actually calls a foul on Otamendi, if I remember correctly, when he was should have been the recipient of the foul. And no VAR check. The ensuing free kick, long ball sent. Otamendi, you know, trying to get the ball quickly and get forward because we needed a goal in stoppage time to to try to get a victory, get back on our winning ways. We just couldn't buy a goal all match. We ran into an, another match where the goalkeeper just was not going to let anything by him, and he made saves with every body part you can imagine. Otamendi slips, and Isa walks in, and Isa beats Odie. And Shavj steal three points from us and what was absolutely the rock-bottom point of the season. Our lead now reduced to just two points or reduced to five maybe. I'm trying to remember now. Uh, reduced to four points. Thank you. It was reduced to four points and now it was like any slip-up and we would be within one We would be within one bad result of squandering the lead that we had held isolated. We had held by ourselves since uh, round four, but and we'd been in first in a share of first the entire season. The second leg, though, in Inter or in Milan for me against Inter was a turning point and got us out of this funk. No, we did not advance, but tying 3 3 and getting two late goals at the San Siro, though they weren't enough to see us through, I think they gave the club and the players the confidence they needed for the remaining league matches. We had got the feel of putting the ball in the goal again. And we had turned it around. And that momentum carried into round 29 at home against Istriel at the Luge. Another packed house, 100% behind the home side, behind Benfica. And making up for his previous slip-up uh, one round earlier, Nicolas Otamendi with the winning goal in the 44th minute. And uh, we would win 1-0, get three points again. And now the championship fever is really... Bubbling at this point, Porto, we had said, I had said, all the other podcasts had said, Porto are not going to drop any more points. You can bet on it. And we saw every type of of absolute refereeing gymnastics done to keep them at that, you know, at that point of getting 100% points and pushing us to the final day. We went to Barcelos the next weekend, and we made a mini Stadio de Luz there at the Stadio Cidade de Barcelos. And... Chiquinho uh, with the winner in the 74th, and this was fitting because this was on the back of so much criticism from the supporters. Remember, uh, this match, I, I'll always remember, this is where Roger Schmidt decided to move Auschwitz to right wing back. He played this match as a wing back, and he gets the assist on Chiquinho's goal. In the 86th, Grimaldo would convert a pin, and we would walk away with a 2-0 victory. And then the match of the season, the ultimate, this one has to be the one, where the the title 
was, you know, with the mathematical odds really shifted in our favor. Home on the 6th of May versus Braga in a tight match. In, what, in one where we were very, very good. Again, trouble getting goals, but we were never really under any kind of threat from Braga. And Braga at this point is still fighting for the title. We're only, if I remember correctly, we were only eight or nine points ahead of them. A win would put them, you know, within a realistic shot of of trying to steal the title in the final uh, three weeks of the season. Plus, it would have it would have kept them close to Football Club do Porto and chasing them for that second place spot. They didn't seem as concerned about that because they never had anything to say about the penalty after penalty after penalty that was awarded to Porto. They never had anything to say, but they had a lot to say about this one. And um, well, in the end, it is Rafa going on an absolute run after a brilliant ball being played to him by David Nersh. Rafa scoring against his former club in the 67th minute. The state, the study deluge erupts, explodes, if you will. He erupts and explodes. The bench clears as everyone celebrates. And this one nothing win for me is the third of the three massive, crucial, key victories in this year's championship run. This one was huge. And those three points ultimately give us the title. But we still had to play out the rest of the schedule. The four-point lead, we couldn't let it get down. And we had to go to Portimon to face Portimones, as I call them, or, or uh, Porto B, Portimones. And in a match, I think that within good reason, we were all nervous about, especially with the type of performance that their goalkeeper, Nakamura, put on against us in the first half of the season, in the first time around. It was a nervy one, but Grimaldo comes to the comes to the front again, and this guy was huge this season. There's no question this guy is huge this season. I know it didn't end the best, but it could have been worse. And um, here's a huge goal, maybe his goal of the season, as he would score in the fourth minute, and Artur Suarez would give the goal. VAR could not disprove it. To this day, nobody's 100% sure that the ball went in, but that fourth goal gave Benfica, that fourth minute goal, excuse me, gave Benfica the confidence needed. It gave them also the ability to settle in a little bit. In the 28th minute, Romo Mario was looking for Rafa arriving late, or could have been Gonzalo Ramos, I don't remember anymore. And he, his cross, though, is redirected by Relvaj into his own goal, 2 0. And the crowd erupts there, and suddenly, you know, you can taste the 38 coming at this point. Ahead, 2-0. Portimonense would pull one back thanks to Pedrão on a play that was uh, a sloppy bit of defending by Morato in the area. And and uh, Portimonense cuts it 2-1 for halftime, or just before halftime. Um, Nicolas Otamendi sitting this one out on a yellow card suspension. But fortunately, that means he was able to play against uh, against Sporting in the penultimate game, the final home match of the season. And we saw him in the crowd sitting next to Sher Nudur as uh, they were watching this one. And just before halftime, Gonzalo Ramuz sets everyone's nerves at ease with a 45th minute goal beating Nakamura. We go into the halftime team talk ahead 3-1 to one on the road. Petr Musa enters in the 86th, scores in the 87th, scores in the 89th. 5-1 victory in Algarve. And now the t- the championship was simply just it was just 3 points away at this point. 
And we hoped to get it done at the Alvalade on the 21st of May. And it couldn't have started any worse as Sporting took the lead in the 39th minute, thanks to Francisco Trincao. On a, a, for me, a mistake by Antonio Silva in a failure to clear the ball. Odi makes the original save, but the rebound falls right to Trincao, and Odi has no chance on it. I know a lot of people think Odi's to blame on this one. He didn't come out right. We can agree to disagree on that. It doesn't matter anymore. But uh, the worst part was uh, an ensuing corner kick just five minutes later. Pot would hit it right onto the head of Diomande. And Diomande beats Odiseas with a perfect header. I don't think Odi had any chance on this one. Sparting go into the locker room 2-0 up at halftime. Porto winning already had one, I believe, uh, on the night. As I believe, if I remember correctly, they played first. So the lead was down to one point. And at this point, we were going to go into the final round ahead by only one point. Um, knowing we would have needed a victory at home at Santa Clara. Worst case scenario, we still only needed a victory at uh, home against Santa Clara to win the title. But the team showed class. The team showed fight. Came out of the halftime uh, team talk completely motivated. You could see from the very first kick of the ball in the second half that Benfica were determined. Auschwitz scores a beautiful header in the 71st minute. And then this one goes all the way to stoppage time. And in the 90th plus four on a broken play. But these are the kind of plays that titles are won with. Uh, the ball is whipped in. There's, it's headed across the face of goal by, I want to say it was headed across by Moratu. Maybe it was Maybe it was someone else. It might have been Musa. I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time. It's been over a month. But... Um, Ball finds it to João Neves. João Neves' first effort is cleared off the line or saved off the line by somebody's chest. But the rebound falls to Neves again. And Johnny Snows, he buries it in the roof of the goal in the 90th plus four. Rescues a point and more importantly, rescues morale, rescues the confidence, removes the doubt in this team going into the final day. Yes, the lead was down to only two points, but we knew even a draw now. Could be and will would likely be enough to win the title. We knew after this match that even if we if we drawed if we drew excuse me Porto would have to win by eleven goals. And um, well, we talked about the Santa Clara match before this uh, before this segment. Sixty four thousand twelve were in attendance, and Gonzalo Ramos, Rafa, and Grimaldo with goals. Benfica champion for the thirty eighth time, 2022-2023. So let's get to the celebration, why don't we? We've been talking for a while. Let's hear from the players. Let's hear from the Vikings first. The the three three of the of the Nordic guys, the, the Alexander Bond, not in this group talk. This was on the pitch. This was on BTV pitch side. Of course, I had podcasted just before the match about the disappearance of BTV here in the United States. Hope everyone was able to find a solution for themselves, whether it was an IPTV or whether you subscribe to BTV directly from the team's website. Um, you were able to watch these celebrations in uh, in full length, but here is uh, here are the 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 Nordics. This was, I believe, uh, I believe this was Auschwitz, Tenstad, and Sheldrup speaking to BTV after the match on the pitch. eleven goals, more than one thousand minutes. Uh, uh, you've became champion. What the first season in uh, Benfica? 
be honest, this is amazing. From the first day, I dream about that, and really, this is amazing. I, I love this team. I, I'm very, very proud to be part of this team, and this is something unbelievable. I, I love, I love these guys, and really, I enjoy a lot here. Your goals, uh, your attitudes, the way um, you, you've played for Benfica in every minute, you keep always the focus. Of course, for me, it's a big honor to play for such a big club like Benfica. I love this club. This is something amazing. Our supporters is always with us. And of course, I give always 100% to help the team and to win every game. And what an important role that you had for this group. Uh, every match when I came or when I play from the beginning, I just want to help the team and uh, just in the end take three points. And this is amazing. This is for what we work all season. We work very hard and these guys really deserve this. Do you imagine Marques de Pombal? be honest, I saw some, some photo and some video. It's something amazing. I'm looking forward for this and I cannot uh, waiting for this. And now you go as a happy man to your national team, Croatia. For sure, I'm, I'm really, really happy and I enjoy every moment here in Benfica. Thank you very much. Petar Musa there talking about just how big of a season it was for him and uh, you know how happy he is at the club. It's great to hear those words. He did earn a call up into his national team for the Nations League uh, finals. Don't believe he featured, um, but a very good season for Petar Musa coming off the bench, and uh, he's definitely going to be in contention for a starting spot next season. I tell you, if uh, if Gonzalo Ramos does in fact go, if he does sell at some point, somebody's going to be sold. I think it's going to be it's very very hard to believe that Benfica will go into an entire transfer window and not sell anybody. If they don't, I'll be ecstatic. Uh, the more we retain from this roster, the better. And the more we can add to it and the more we can improve upon it. But if that striker position does open up, um, I think he's going to be a candidate for it along with Tinkstat and anyone else we might sign between now and then. But also I think that uh, he has shown that he can be trusted to come off the bench in key moments and produce. And with the right, I think with the right strike partner, I think he could play 90 minutes um, just you know, he could become the out the the full time ninety minute number nine. His game is different than Gonzalo's. He doesn't do the same running. He doesn't go into the same spaces, but he he has a phenomenal hold up play. He's a very big center forward, and he's a good easy target to hit. And I think with the right guy around him, the right partner, or or a little shift in the in the system, just a little. Um, in the positioning of some of those outside forwards, I think that uh, he could be a very, very useful striker for us. So I'm also interested to see what uh, what he brings in the coming season now as we look forward to July the 5th, not that far away, when the players report back to, uh, to camp, back to Seychelles, and the preseason begins. Ulian Draxler was a player I had a 
incredibly high hopes for this season. I was very, very excited to see him. A World Cup winner, of course. At that time, he was the only World Cup winner we had in the squad. Now we have a few more. Um, but uh, I really had high hopes for him. I know he was coming off an injury and he was going to rehab it, but I really thought over the course of an entire season, he was going to really come back and we were going to see a good percent, a good 60 to 70% of what he was when he was, you know, an undisputed starter in in the German national team a decade ago. Didn't work out for him, but he had some really, really kind words about Benfica, and he had some really, really um, reflective uh, things to say to the fan base. He he spoke to BTV from the bus as they were making their way to Marquez Pombal, and uh, I really, really appreciated these comments from Uli and Draxler, and it shows just the type of class of not just player, but the type of human he is. And um, let, let's hear him now. This is Ulian Draxler talking to BTV. Julian, what a moment, isn't it? It's amazing. You know, I won some championships, but uh, this feels different. It feels different. I'm really happy to go to Marquesh now and see all the people. Oh, in Marquesh is way, way better. <laughs> people told me about it, but I want to see with my own eyes now. Yeah, That was a pity because of the injury that you can't help the team in the second half of the season. But are you happy with the experience? No, I I am really happy with the experience. I I played for a big big club in Europe, you know. I really appreciate everybody in Benfica. And I want to say sorry to all the supporters that I didn't do more for the club because of my injuries, but uh, you can be all very proud of your club and Iwamu uh, Benfica. And you'll be Benfica till the end of your life. For sure, for sure. You know, it was a short time, but this club is amazing, to be honest. Thank you, thank you very much. There's just a genuineness and an authenticity in Julian Draxler's voice there. Uh, I believe he truly wishes he could have done more this season. Obviously, he wanted to show his quality, and he wanted to regain his form, no question. But um, the fact that he said that this was an experience he's happy with, I'm happy about, and you heard him, he's going to be a Benfica going forward, and I think this club has something special about it, and it does that for, for many that come in here. Not all. There are some that left with a bad experience, but many, many leave different than they arrived and they leave with an appreciation for the club the grandeur of the club the bigness of the club and just the radical support and loving support of the fan base that it's one thing when we win like we said when we don't win the fan base is is completely different it it is Benfica is the best club in the world to be at when you win and probably the worst to be at when you lose but Uli and Draxler there top notch top class and um I can't, you know, he's a guy we're going to talk about years down the road saying, wow, this guy played for our club. Uh, he's obviously on the down slope of his career. He he has been younger, obviously. He has been at higher clubs. He has won the World Cup. He has he has just played at such high levels. But um, it's somebody at the end of the day that we can say was associated with our club. And, um, you know, it didn't work out, but I think it was still, and I will conti- I will continue to say that that was a very good business decision. We brought him in on very low risk. We didn't get a lot out, but we did get. I think he he had a a role in the in the climate and the culture at the club, because I've said in past seasons that's what was the worst about the club. That's what was the most toxic was our culture, and it needed to be addressed. And I think this season, Roger Schmidt and his staff came in, addressed that, fixed it. And, 
you know, Julian Draxler played his part in that correction. Okay, we have gone over two hours. I got more audio to play for you, but my God, you must be tired of hearing my voice. So I'm going to wrap this up right now, and I'd be remiss if I don't give you... I listed all the players that won medals, but let's talk a minute about this year's staff. I'm going to congratulate the staff right now on the 38. The manager, as we know, is Roger Schmidt. A fantastic first season for him at the club. And I think I'm going to do at least one episode this summer just uh, on him and talking about the season he had and some of the things I noticed. I'm I'm coming up with a couple concepts. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like. But there will be some sort of Roger Schmidt-centric episode coming your way in the coming weeks and Month, month or two at the longest, but uh, he he's the manager. His assistants: Jorn Eric Wolf, Jans Wissling, who who stepped in for one match as manager when uh, Roger was suspended after throwing a bottle back or throwing whatever it was back at the crowd in Vizela. Um, Jan Benjamin Kugel and Javi Garcia. Congratulations, goalkeeping coach Fernando Ferreira. He was the one sent off against Braga, remember, for taking the ball and and holding on to it to, to, to waste time. Uh, at the time, I thought it had been a German coach that did that, and I thought he'd been corrupted by being in Portugal. But no, it was the Portuguese coach. It was Fernando Ferreira. The analysis and observation staff, Nuno Cesaru and Ruben Suarez. For the board, the president, of course, Rui Costa. Congratulations to the president. We're going to hear from him on the outro. Uh, his vice presidents, here they all are. <laughs> uh, Luis Mendes, Jaime Antunes, Domingos Almeida Lima, Fernando Tavares, Silvio Servan, Manuel Brito, Rui do Passo, and Jose Gandarez. Um, and Gandarez is a substitute as is Rui do Passo. So they step in whenever one of the vice presidents is unable to be in a certain place. The president of the assembly, the general assembly president, Fernando Ciara, the former politician and the supervisory president, Fernando Fonseca Santos. Congratulations to the staff at Sport Lisboa Benfica. Also, I, I have to include uh, Leo Kukubu, who is who is in the celebrations with the team as well. The uh, I guess fourth goalkeeper um, and Andre Andre Gomes. Uh, he went in for surgery right after this match ended. Uh, not a few days later, so he's going to be out till the end of 2022, recovering from a surgery. So I think that means that Samu is going to get some more opportunity as a backup, and he's going to get some more reps in training. I do think the long-term um, replacement for Odie is Andrea Gomes, and I think that's why the club is re-signing and renewing with Odie and keeping him because I don't think they're going to go spend on a goalkeeper when the guy that everyone believes is the next number one is there. He's uh, in the three position right now, in the third position because he's still a, uh, a junior player, just graduating from youth football, but he is going to be out for a little while rehabbing an injury. So best wishes to Andre Gomes. All right, before I leave you, like I said, I had a few more sound bits to play. I will play them. Uh, coming your way on the podcast feed very soon, okay? I still got the season finale of Liga 3 in English. That's going to drop probably next. And then I have season recaps for the women's football team as well as for the men's basketball team and the men's futsal team at the very least. 
I'll maybe merge that all into one Modalidad episode. Uh, the women's football team will have their own, and then the others maybe merge into one Modalidad episode. I always want to talk about them, and I never find the time. And also, I'm going to have some special content for you this summer. I'm going to pre-record some stuff and release it throughout the summer. Uh, I think you're going to like it. And, um, you know, just because the season's over doesn't mean Benfica is over, as it's a 365-day obsession for us. Um, Of course, there's news that is going to drop. I may throw in some some, um, breaking news pods at some point if a major signing happens. We already know about about Colchu. We already know about Di Maria and that still needs to put ink to paper so I'm I'm subduing my excitement on that one I've seen it get this close and seen it fall apart at the final moment but I'm confident we're going to sign Angel Di Maria and there's other players too that we're looking at so I will um, try to get back to you when something like that happens also, preseason is just two weeks away. So at some point in that preseason, once we have some matches, I'll come back on here and talk about it a little bit for you. And um, the Women's World Cup is a month away. And I will be using this podcast feed to recap uh, Portugal's matches at the Women's World Cup, given that a third of the team comes from our club. So I will be doing that. Of course, there have been departures from the women's team, a lot of them. Sad ones because it's top players. I'll talk. I'm not gonna dampen this championship celebration episode with that. That'll come in in a future episode when I talk about the women's team. But like I said, stay tuned to this feed. Subscribe if you haven't on Spotify to Mr. Benfica because I'm gonna be dropping content all summer long for you, uh, here and there at least, and um, hopefully keeping everybody busy and keeping everybody ready for the new season when it arrives. But I want everybody in the northern hemisphere to enjoy their summer. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's obviously not your summer, but enjoy the off-season. Uh, again, I'll have some content for you, so so follow on Twitter at Mike Agustinho and at Benfica Mister, and follow on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. I'll post some stuff there, www.mrbenfica.com. I'll try to remember to keep that up so uh, that uh, website up to date as best I can. No promises there, though. It's just um, a lot of things to to keep remembering plus i'm very very busy at work and i have a vacation coming up in um, about a week and a half that i'm very excited about um so uh stay tuned here and just follow follow the content and follow the ptb media network as well on twitter and on instagram i know i don't post much of that but follow it in case something drops there at ptb underscore media and at www.parkingthebusmedia.com i got a new video up there that i put together in the last couple weeks um a new new, uh, match day you know it's a match day vlog uh travel vlog kind of thing i've got a new one up there it's also on the youtube channel ptb media network on youtube go and subscribe all right i'm done talking what you're gonna hear on your way out you are gonna hear from roger schmidt at the first we're gonna hear sorry i almost left this out we're gonna hear the epic (laughs) the epic interview with alexander ba from the bus um that's gonna take you into a record scratch right into roger schmidt um in in his words Actually, I think it's going to be Rui Costa before Roger Schmidt. Um, no, it's going to be, let's see here. I, I have it already. Up, Yeah, it's going to be Roger Schmidt. Then Rui Costa is going to lead the supporters in Iwamu Benfica and the anthem. And then that goes into the most epic of all time. I will survive from the Marques Pombal. 
I mean, I watched this one live and I woke up my entire family twirling my scarf around in the living room. It was late. It was like 10 p.m. my time. So it had to be like 3 a.m. in Portugal. And I was I was going along to I Will Survive. That's going to close the episode on I Will Survive. That's going to close 2022, 2023. Liga Portugal, Benfica, the champions for the 38th time. Carrega Benfica. And for the first time, I'm going to say this. I haven't found a song about it yet. But for the first time, in addition to the hashtag, if you love Benfica, you oh sorry, if you love football, you love Benfica. That's going to continue to be the hashtag. But also, it's time to say Dam U That's right. Give me the 39 Benfica champions. Congratulations to the entire Benfica nation. Enjoy the offseason. Enjoy these sound clips. Relive it. If you want to watch the entire celebration again, it's available on YouTube. I'm dropping the link in the show notes. You can watch all six hours and 16 minutes of the uh, championship celebration starting on the pitch all the way to the Marquez. Or you can fast forward, skip around, and see different parts all over again. I know I've watched most of it more than three times already, uh, and I plan on watching some more. So uh, that's it. Thank you for a phenomenal season. Uh, thank you, Benfica, for your play on the pitch. Thank you, Roger Schmidt, for making us fall in love with this team again and making us fall in love with our football. We are the champions. Enjoy. Alexander! Yeah. Yeah. What a party! Ah, this is amazing. Un- unbelievable. This is... Hey, do you want an interview? Thanks. Yes, that. yes. Thanks, that. Can you tell me in Portuguese how how crazy this party is? Not in uh, Portuguese, but I can tell you in English. It's the most craziest thing I ever seen in my life, and I enjoy it right now. If, if you if you should say small sentence to the fans, what what would you say today? They have been amazing uh, since I came, uh, and I feel it the the whole season. They have been like. Incredible, and uh, we are so thankful for them. Thank you so much, Casper. And Alexander, are you happy with uh, the way that Benfica plays? The fullbacks have so many liberty, and today we saw the, that. Ah, but this season has been amazing. We we won a lot, but we we not only won, we played amazing football as well, and. And I'm so happy that we can give the fans what they deserve because they deserve to win and they 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 deserve beautiful football. My English is not really good when I drink, so I will stop it now. You are happy. I'm so happy. I said it because it was my idea in this moment in the head. Uh, but none, one now, one one year later, um, 
Latvia is very true. So uh, to to be part of Benfica is the best thing you can have in football. So I really appreciate to be part of that. I appreciate your your support. So what happens today is unbelievable, and uh, I have to say I. I'm so proud of my team, even on David Neves, not only on you, but all audience. Need to jump, to jump. Uh, okay. Um, so it is unbelievable. I'm so happy. We worked so hard to be here this moment, uh, this evening, to make all of you happy because we know. You can be only happy if Benfica is champion, and we are champion, so we are. So <laughs> and to be honest, we deserve to be champion because I think we played the best football, and we played like Benfica's philosophy. So. We try our best also next season. Thanks for everything you did for us. Thank you, Benfiquista. E como e como se eu não estivesse deste lado, estaria certamente daquele. Estaria certamente aí no meio de vocês. Lá.